Hey, welcome to uh, this series, In the Light. It's a fantastic series, this idea that we could summarise the whole message of Jesus about He steps into our darkness and calls us into the light and a whole new world opens up. And so I love this image of standing at this position of uh, coming out of darkness and into light. And it can kind of sound a bit like a Disney movie of just everything's wonderful. But as I've thought about this, I thought it's actually a bit more complicated than that because I don't know about you, but when, when the light first goes on, it kind of takes a period to adjust. And I think it's a bit like that with faith. But even more than that, if you think about it, if you're in darkness and the light gets turned on, what's our first reaction? It's actually to shade our eyes. It's actually to turn back towards the darkness. And I think that that kind of explains some of this journey that we're all on, whether you're the first time you've ever tuned into a church service, whether you've been part of church for 50 years, that we're, all, we're living in this ambiguous space where part of me wants to turn towards the light, wants to walk into the light, but part of me finds it a bit uncomfortable, a bit overwhelming, a bit foreign, a bit, a bit of a new territory, and the temptation is to turn back and stay in what's familiar. This this really struck me a few weeks ago. Uh, some of you may know this guy, Pastor Leon Ruckety. He uh, works at Equippers College. He's also the pastor of uh, Equippers Thames. But he was doing a devotion with our students a few weeks ago around our last series, Full Access. And uh, thinking about we get full access by adoption. And he'd been reflecting on, I wonder what it was like if you'd been adopted, like you'd been an orphan, you'd been alone, and suddenly you're adopted into this new loving family. And like part of it would be this kind of, beautiful, attractive thing, but part of it would be a bit overwhelming and a bit foreign and a bit like, wow, these, these people love each other. They're a bit over the top, nice kind of, and, and living in that zone. And the reason it struck him was uh, he, he wasn't adoptive. He grew up with solo mom, dad was gone. And then, and then he married Amy, who this is Amy's family, 10 kids, kind of super nice family. And he, he talked about what it felt like to kind of be in these family dynamics with this kind of ambivalent thing. Part of it is attracted towards this beautiful, happy, friendly family. And part of, it is a, part of him's a bit overwhelmed and pulls back from it. And when he talked about this, it really gelled for me because I also grew up, um, dad was gone, solo mom. And then my wife was from a very nice middle-class uh, business family. And so again, I remember, I know what he was talking about, that feeling like in these family environments, like, oh my goodness, everyone sits up at the table and they talk and they laugh and they, they enjoy each other. Like, I'm just used to grab my plate and disappear and watch TV. It's kind of like this funny thing, part, partly attracted and partly a bit overwhelmed and a bit scared and pulling back from it. And uh, Pastor Leon actually landed this in terms of at Equippers, we often talk about these heartbeats and kind of the idea, this is not like corporate on the wall uh, things you have to do. Like this is naming the, the family culture of this new family we're adopted into. And again, like, man, this ambivalence, like, man, these people are always encouraging each other. They honour each other. Partly I'm attracted to it. Partly I'm a bit kind of cynical, pull back. Oh, this family do stuff together. Like they're committed to being there for a relationship. Like, whoa, this is different. This is strange. Leon even mentioned with uh, his mother-in-law, you know, uh, when they needed a babysitter living three hours away. Oh, yeah, I'll jump in the car, drive three hours, babysit for a couple of hours and drive home and he's like what is this place and, it, and it's like this ambivalence like man there's there's a world of light out there but but it's a new default for me and it's a kind of a challenge to move into it and so I feel like this kind of concept in the light and this kind of picture names well what the Christian journey is like there's this invitation to step into something 
but it can be a bit overwhelming. It can be a bit intense and it's certainly foreign. But I don't know if you're watching this from New Zealand, but in New Zealand, if you stepped out of the cave, we actually live in a beautiful country. Like there's awesome places out there. There's, there's a wide open space. There's adventure, there's life, there's freedom, there's all kinds of stuff. And that's a great picture of the Christian life. But we stand at this point. Am I willing to let go of what's familiar? I've actually got familiar with the cave. I've actually got familiar with the dark. And am I willing to walk out into what will be an incredible space if I'm willing to make the change? And so we find ourselves like this. I'm standing at the intersection of a growing day and the dark. Am I going to turn towards the light? Am I going to walk into the light? Or am I going to stay back? Am I going to allow myself to be unsettled out of my status quo? Um, C.S. Lewis, some of you might have heard of him. He wrote uh, the book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe uh, about Narnia. But he also wrote this great book called The Great Divorce. It's a novel and it's only a novel, okay? It's fiction. But it's the idea of these bus tours from hell to heaven, that, that they organise these bus trips and people are free to come and they come to heaven and all these people are from heaven are there on the edge inviting these people to come in. But but this is what they find. The people on the bus tour from hell actually find heaven a bit intense. They actually find it a bit overwhelming. And, and one by one, they all choose to go, do you know what? I think I'll just go back on the bus. I think I'd rather keep my little small world of insecurity or, or independence or pride. I, I don't want to step into this light because it's just too big a deal. And the tragedy of the book is that there's this invitation to step into the light, but it's actually people go, no, I, I want to stay in my small, dark world. And it's like, man, this great gospel call. Come on, God doesn't want to leave you in that place of confinement. He doesn't want to leave you in darkness. He wants to bring you out into freedom. And so, you know, there's famous passages in Scripture that name this difference between darkness and light. This passage in Isaiah 61 that Jesus uh, claimed as, as His mandate, you know, this, to proclaim good news to the poor. I'm used to living in poverty, but there's this invitation to step into a world where I expect good things, to bind up the brokenhearted, freedom for the captives, and this, release from darkness for the prisoners. Oh, I'm, I'm used to living in this dark little confined cell, but there's this invitation to step into freedom. And, and then it just goes on even more where there's even mourning, there's comfort, where there's been the grief of loss, there's provision, where there's ashes to actually, would I dare to believe my life could be crowned as something beautiful? Where there's mourning, not just comfort, but joy, where there's despair, praise. And it's like, there's this thing like, man, am I, and I'm, am I willing to dare to believe that there's something bigger, that there's something more, that there's something beautiful? Am I willing to turn towards the light to step into the light and feel like God's got something better for me. Another famous passage to illustrate it, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of living with God is things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. You're like, who wouldn't like that? But yeah, but I'm used to a world of not letting people get too close to me. I'm used to managing conflict. I don't actually know what it's like to live in a place of peace. And the invitation is like, would you, would you dare to let Jesus lead you out of darkness and into the light. And it's like, man, I find myself, whether I've been, uh, whether I've been a Christian a day or not even, or whether I'm just learning about this, whether I've been a Christian my whole life, it's am I willing to continue turning towards the light? Am I willing to keep stepping into the light and believing God's got something better for me? 
Another, another image from Scripture is there's this famous verse that can sound a bit ter- terrifying. Our God is a consuming fire and it can kind of evoke all these things of fear and God's anger and destruction or whatever. But do you know what theologians say? God is pure love. If God is, a, is like a fire, it's the fire of pure love. It's, it's not that there's anything that's destructive in Him. It's like we, we can't handle the intensity of who He is in His being, that God, like the image of the sun, a long way away, the sun gives life. But even from this distance, if I look directly at the sun, it's actually going to overwhelm me. I actually need to shade my eyes. Um, if, 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 if I was going to go even closer, I'd be burned up. I'd be consumed by this thing. Not because it's destructive, it's because it's too powerful, too full of light, too full of love. And I'm used to living in a sheltered, uh, shaded place. And it's like this image of God as this pure love, pure light, pure freedom. And if I'll be willing to kind of turn and adjust to it, I'm going to find freedom. I'm going to find something. But, but this image, you know, of God as pure light, like the sun, uh, this is an image. We don't often talk about these kind of things. This is a minute, message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light, absolute power, absolute purity, absolute energy, but it's an energy of love. And this is definitely a verse we don't talk about a lot, who alo- talking about God, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. We're so used to very familiar relational pictures. Oh, Jesus is my friend. Oh, God's my daddy, kind of. And, and, and we, we dial down the sense of the majesty of God. He lives in unapproachable light, not because He doesn't want anyone to approach Him, but because He is so pure, so full of life, so full of power. They're like landing on the sun. We couldn't handle getting too close to Him. But there's this invitation, man, I I don't want to just enjoy the benefits of His gifts in a distance. I want to, over time, learn to turn towards more. I want to learn to step. I want to get to the place where I can stand in the presence of the light of God and, and be and, and be nurtured by that rather than overwhelmed by it. Um, like I said, we don't normally not only talk about it, we don't normally experience it, but the Apostle Paul had this experience. You know, about noon as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. And, and Paul's like, who are you? And, and out of the light, come, I'm Jesus. Jesus is total overpowering, overwhelming light. And they have this encounter. And then down verse 11, my companions led me by the hand into Damascus. Why? Because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. And it's like, yeah, Jesus encounters us at our point of uh, just being willing to turn. But don't mistake the fact that there's a whole lot more to him. There's a whole lot more of power and light and life and love and energy that actually if you encountered it in his full majesty, would just be overwhelming. And so there's the sense, yeah, every good and perfect gift from above is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. As you, at a distance, I get to enjoy the benefits of His love. But actually, I just don't want to be like Earth, 150 million kilometers away. There's good stuff happening because we're a long way away. I want to learn to start turning. I want to learn to start walking. I just don't want to encounter at a distance His benefits. I want to step into and encounter Him. In, in some dimension of who He is. And, and I guess the great news is God's on a journey with us into the light. And so there's this wonderful sense of conclusion in First John, dear friends, now we are 
children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears this, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One day you'll be able to stand into the light. One day you'll be able to look him in the face and not be overwhelmed and know the full majesty of the life-giving, loving, powerful, joyful, peaceful, gentle presence of God. And all of us are kind of on that journey. So, so, so we've got God's a God of light. We're in some levels of darkness. He wants to take us towards that. How, do, how does that work? I got great news for you. This incredible God who is total light. When he ever encounters darkness, this is what he does. It's found in the first chapter of Genesis, the first uh, book of the Bible, the first verses of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and just this darkness was around. What does this incredible God of light do when he encounters darkness? Verse three, God says, let there be light. I got great news for you. Wherever there's darkness in your life, wherever there's confinement, God looks at that and he speaks light into your world. He speaks freedom. He speaks life. He speaks liberty. He speaks hope. He speaks purpose. Where there's darkness, he speaks light. And, and, and this is the start of the Old Testament. The news gets even better because when you get to the start of the New Testament, affirming again, you're in the beginning, the word that speaks but, but then this, in him was life, the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, that, that the light comes into our world, that God searches out people living in darkness, that in our lives, God searches out places of darkness because he wants to shine his light in there. And, and this idea that darkness cannot overcome it. Something is more powerful in your life than any current bondage, than any current brokenness, than any current failure, than any current inadequacy that can't overcome the power of God to walk into your world and speak light. Let there be light in that place, that place of insecurity, that place of inadequacy, that place of rejection. No, God says, no, let there be light. And again, like I said, the news gets even better because it goes on the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And this, we can kind of gloss over this. He, the light is not a thing. The light is a person. And so Christianity is not just this, oh, 10 steps to self-improvement. It's the supernatural transformation where God turns the light on. And, and I remember that as a child, I, probably 50 years ago. I don't even remember how old. At this kid's camp and this person explains the message of Jesus. I just go back to my bunk and go, hey, everything that God said, I believe. And I, I wouldn't have had this language at the time. But looking back now, I'd go, the light got turned on. So it's not just self-improvement, the light gets turned on, but this is, is an even better thing. It's not, a, it's not a practice, it's not a principle, it's a person, that the person who is light comes into my heart. That Jesus, who is the light of the world, comes and lives inside of me and turns the lights on. That it's about relationship, that it's about connection, that it's about loving purpose for your life. And so it's like, man, Jesus always has an agenda wherever there's darkness. I'm not simply going to, uh, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to turn the light on, but I'm going to come and step into that darkness and I'm going to be there and be the light for that person. 
Jesus picks. I just kind of want to show you, I hadn't realised actually till I looked at this, how much of a dominant theme this theme of darkness and light is. So Jesus picks it up again. When Jesus spoke again, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And, And this language then gets, so let me back up. So the Old Testament, God's a God who creates light. Jesus comes, I am the light and I'm going to shine light in your world. The letters where they unpack how this works. Again, over and over again, unpacking this theme. And and Paul talks about this incredible message that there's a God of this age, the devil, who tries to blind you to this light. It's like, no, there is no sun out there that wants to lighten up your day. No, there is no sun out there that wants to produce light. It's a lie. No, there is a God. His name is Jesus. He's the light of the world and He wants to shine in your life. He wants to transform your life. He wants to make you different. He wants to make you better. He wants to heal the brokenness. And and so this incredible message in verse 6 ties together Genesis and and the work of Jesus. For God who said, let light shine of our darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. It's like wherever anyone will will simply respond to Jesus, He'll turn the lights on. See, in in Genesis, it's like God just says it and it happens. With Jesus, it's like, if you'll invite me in, I'll come in and turn the light on. And so we face this pivotal moment. Am I going to stay in the darkness or am I going to invite the light into my heart? Am I going to invite Jesus to come in and turn the light on? These letters pick up the theme over and over again. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This, He's called you out of darkness. What's the call on your life? Wherever there's been darkness, to walk out of it into light. Wherever there's been brokenness, to walk out of it into wholeness. Your calling is actually to live in this thing. Again, just to show you a few more verses. Uh, He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. Like you can do this. It's not too hard. He's paid the price. He's given you everything you need to be able to do this. You are children of the light and children of the day. This is now your nature. Once you invite Jesus in, He's living on the inside. He's turned the light on. This is who you are now. You don't belong in the darkness anymore. You by nature belong in the light. And so there's this ache. The more that you walk into the light, the more you become the person God always meant you to be. The more you find your home. That my old default of aloneness and insecurity and rejection no longer feels for familiar, it feels foreign. My new home now is the place of belonging, the place of acceptance, the place of honour, the place of wholeness, the place of dignity. And, and, and this is unpacked in this kind of last verse of these things. It says, you, yeah, you were once darkness, but now you are light. Not just the lights on you, but you've been changed to be light. And so that's the becoming a Christian. And then here's the challenge. Now live as what you are. Like God turns the light on. Now spend the rest of your life learning to walk into the reality of who I always made you to be. Just to show you that it's right throughout the Bible. Let's back up the truck a bit to the Old Testament Psalms. Just three verses from that middle section. Psalms, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day but the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. And you, Lord, keep my lamp burning. And I love this as one verse, almost to sum up the whole of the, this biblical theme. My God turns my darkness into light. 
And so this message could be a testimony of what God wants to do. My God wants to take my darkness and turn it into light. I'm walking into the light. I'm living more in the light than I was yesterday. I'm being transformed into the light. I reckon you can basically sum up the whole Bible around this theme in three bullet points. God is light. God turns the light on in your heart. And then you adjust to living in the light. It's not that complicated, eh? God is light. He wants to turn the light on in your heart. You just have to give him permission. And then you spend the rest of your life adjusting to that. And I got great news today. Today could be a fresh beginning. If you've never prayed that prayer, you could invite Jesus, who's the light of the world, into your heart and He's going to turn the light on. But if you've already done that and maybe wandered away, you could come back to that decision. And if you've already done that and you feel like you're on the path, I've got a great, great news for you. You could take another step into the light today. You could, you could turn towards the light. You could live in the light a little bit more than you were yesterday because that's what we're doing. Hey, I just want to, I want to particularly talk to people about two areas where I think God calls us into the light. And it comes from this, this incredible verse in Ephesians 5. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And this, everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Our job is not to change ourselves. Our job is simply to bring into the light what's there. And God changes it into light. And I, I think there are two things particularly that we need to bring into the light. We need to bring the worst of who we are, and we need to bring the best of who we are into the light. Why do I say the worst of who we are? There's this, there's this uh, quote from this kind of therapist. He says this, it's not the fanatic in the attic, it's the feller in the cellar. It's like, my problem in life is not Mr. Super Christian who's super positive and loves Jesus and loves worship and loves reading the Bible. That guy's all good. I'm not going to get further in life by trying to dial up that guy. My problem is the other guy when I'm home alone and that rejection and the loneliness and the ache in my soul comes up and, and, I, and I'm tempted to go to other things for comfort. My, my problem is that guy that lashes out in anger or that guy that get, is just a bit bitter or hurt. Like that's the fella that's going to undo what I want to do in life. And the invitation, I need to bring that person to Jesus. I need to bring that person into the light. I need, to, I need to just park this guy for a minute and I need to go, Jesus, there's a part of me that's just angry and lost and hurting and alone. God, would you come and meet this person? Would you shine the light in this person? Would you turn the light on in this person? And, and there's another quote from another therapist who kind of reinforces that you are only as strong as your weakest subpersonality. What I mean, this guy over here is not going to be the undoing of me. This guy is. But I've got great news for you. Jesus invites this person out into the light. Jesus wants to transform this person that I'm no longer hurt and bitter or looking for comfort in all the wrong places. This person has been transformed. And I can show you that from Scripture, the example, Lazarus. There's this family, Jesus is friends with them all, but one part is in the grave. His name's Lazarus. And Jesus arrives at their family home and he's like, I want to deal with that situation. Roll the stone away. And they're like, no, no, it's terrible in there. It stinks in there. You don't want to look at that. Jesus is like, no, I want that person to come out into the light. I'm not just prepared to deal with the nice people here. I want to call out of the darkness the thing that you've put away. 
And so it says, when he heard this, Jesus called in a loud voice. When he had said this, he called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead men came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And I wonder where, wherever you're listening to this, Jesus calls to a part of you that you keep hidden a long way away. You hope no one finds out you're ashamed about it. You're embarrassed about it. Jesus says, come out into the light and be transformed. Come out into the light and discover life. Come out into the light and let me embrace you. And I want to encourage you to let Jesus encounter that part of you that, that is locked away in darkness. So Jesus wants to deal with the worst of us. He wants us to bring the worst of who we are into the light. But I believe he also wants us to bring the best of who we are. There's this, there's this I think it's a really interesting verse in 1 Corinthians. And I've, I've um, taken out a word because I want to see what you think would go in there. So this is what he says. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He... Let, Think about this. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their something from God. Let me ask you a question. If God was going to bring to light what is hidden in the darkness of your life, if he was going to draw out the motives of your heart that no one knows, what do you think would be the result? Well, this is what Paul says will be the result. Each will receive praise. It's like, what does that mean? It means this, that it's not always that first case, super Christian and behind is something broken. Sometimes there's kind of a public face of brokenness because I've learned how to just put up some walls and do life and keep people away. But deep down inside, actually there's something that yearns for something better. I was uh, praying about this message and I kind of saw this image of this woman um, involved in worship and, and, th- and I saw a picture of her as a young girl just free and singing and praising God. And it's like, I guess life happens and you take some hurts and you, and you pull back a bit. And it's almost like the, one of these dynamics, God calls into that place that no one else knows about. And he says, hey, I see that little girl. I see that little boy. And I called that person into the light. Stop covering up the best, the pure, the dream of what you could be. And if you think this sounds a bit light or waffly or candy floss Christianity, the very first encounter that the light of the world has with an individual is in the book of John. And, and it's, it's one of these kind of encounters. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we've found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And this is Nathanael's response. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Like he's a, what a sour guy. What a kind of just negative guy. He's the kind of guy like, ah, he's always, he's always negative. He's always putting down. He's just, he's just harsh. Maybe learn to be harsh. Because he's invited to come and see. And when Jesus saw him, this is what he said. He said of him. So he looks at this guy who's the negative guy, the critical guy. Jesus looks at him and said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Like Jesus sees the best of this guy's heart. Jesus reaches into his being and says, Nathaniel, I see a part of you behind the facade, behind the harshness, behind the bristliness. I see that. And I love Nathaniel's response. How do you know me? So I haven't even known that little boy for a long time. 
None of these people know that boy, but how do you know me? And Jesus is like, Nathaniel, I'm calling out the best of you. I'm calling out the part of you that dreams and believes and hopes. And, and yeah, it's failed and yeah, it's, it's taken some hits and you've learned to hide it away and cover it up. But I'm calling that person to walk out into the light because I want to turn the light on in that person. I love this idea, everything that is illuminated becomes light. We're doing a series in the light. Our decision is this, am I going to keep these areas in the darkness or am I going to bring them into the light? And I want to, I want to implore you today. So I'm trying to push some of the negative stuff away. Bring it into the light and let Jesus change it. Bring it into the light and let Him show you how He can transform it. Bring it into the light and, and let Him transform those things. But also let Him call out the part of you that dreams of something better, the part of you that dreams of something pure and lovely, the part of you you've, not, you've learned not to let people see because otherwise it's going to get hurt. What about bring that into the light as well? We're on a journey into the light. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that you have this overwhelming sense that God has something incredible for you out there. And as you live with that kind of slightly fearful sense, do I risk it or do I pull back? I want to encourage you, step into the light, lean into the light. Let's pray. Wherever people are at, God, I pray they would sense this drawing towards you, towards your light, to step into the light to bring the brokenness, but also to bring the, the hope, the idealistic young person into the light and to find their life transformed. And maybe there's some people who, who this is a whole new thing. This is maybe the first time they've heard this message, that they would understand that there is a good God who wants to step into their world. His name is Jesus. And if they'll just invite Him into their heart, He'll turn the light on. He'll make everything brand new on the inside. And they'll begin a lifelong journey today of walking into the freedom of that light. God, may you respond to their invitation to come into their heart and make them brand new inside. Today, I pray in Jesus' name.